Welcome to the Time for Teaching podcast. This podcast explores the joys and challenges of teaching in higher education. I'm Kim Reed. And I'm Kelly Fox. And we are very excited to be welcoming a Georgian superstar to the virtual space today. Kim, what do we need to know about Mark Dorsey before we get started? Glad you asked, Kel. I'm thrilled to introduce someone who I've considered a mentor and friend since I started here at Georgian. Mark has always been someone who offers thoughtful and helpful answers, good advice, and is an exemplar of passion for people and teaching. As a child, Mark has fond memories of spending lots of time outside running around, playing sports, and just hanging out, all of which sounds so nice now, considering how much time we spend on our screens these days. Mark's favorite subject in university was history, although he admits to being a little bored by by it before that. Now he loves teaching public speaking, one of the main reasons being it reminds him of the thrill of public speaking in elementary school before he thought he was too cool for it in high school. Mark made a note to share that he was in fact not too cool, (laughs) but knowing him the way we do, we beg to differ. His favorite traveling memories are around an exchange he participated in when he was 16, which involved hosting a student and then traveling to Japan where he fell in love with Japanese culture. His favorite fictional character is Seinfeld because he loves how he can effortlessly blend quirkiness, sarcasm, and humorously mundane observations together for what feels like the perfect comedic cocktail. The last books on his nightstand were True Grit and Lonesome Dove. He's trying to channel his inner outlaw. And because he gets lots of nonfiction in his regular reading, he tries to balance things out with fiction whenever possible. Mark's loved ones say he is a very diplomatic person and tries to see many sides of an issue. He's also good at playing devil's advocate, even when his loved ones find it annoying, or if he's like Kelly and I, especially when his loved ones find it annoying. We think Mark is an innovator, an advocate, an intellect, a musical badass, and an all-around awesome colleague, bringing so much to the Georgian community and beyond. Mark, thank you so much for making the time to be here with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. And these introductions are always one of my favorite parts of the Time for Teaching podcast. So it's always, I was looking forward to the opportunity to hear my my biography and, <laughs> and all this praise bestowed upon me. So thank you very much. I, and I consider you both uh, mentors and friends as well. So it's nice to be here chatting with you today. All right, Mark. So we'd love to start by learning a little bit about your journey to Georgian and to the teaching profession in general. So what led you to teaching? And like many of our guests, what was your path? Was it a windy one? Was it a straight one? What happened? Okay, yeah, it was a bit of a a windy path like everybody. I never thought I would end up in this position. Um, But uh, I took a few years off after high school to uh, find myself and worked fairly unfulfilling jobs, uh, a number of jobs over those two years, and then realized um, with with my mom and dad pushing me that I needed to to go to school and, and do something different with my life. So I eventually went to uh, University of Guelph, uh, spent six years there doing my undergrad and master's. I started in business, but then I got into history and English, so double majored in those two, and really wanted to be a history prof. So that was uh, what, I, what I wanted to do. And so that's why I went into uh, the history program at York University. Uh, to become a a history prof and I was uh, specializing in um, Canadian medical history with uh, a dissertation that was uh, to be on um, the Huronia Regional Centre in Aurelia and the history of people with developmental disabilities and Ontario's uh, approach to to those type of people Uh, and then uh, you know I I spent three years in the PhD program and in year three uh, I also got a job 
teaching part-time at Georgian College. Um, right away, as soon as I started teaching at Georgian, I fell in love with it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I, I love this aspect of teaching. It's different than the university lecture style. Really got, got along with the atmosphere at Georgian. And yeah, like I said, just fell in love with Georgian and with teaching at, at the college level and really threw myself into that at the expense of my PhD, which is, is still not complete. Uh, but I don't have uh, any regrets and that can still finish that up. I've, I've worked periodically on it uh, over the years, but uh, could still finish it at one point, but just, uh, you know, really happy with the decision to, to stick with Georgian and, and college teaching because I always wanted to teach, but I don't think that I realized until that I was in the, the college setting as opposed to the university setting, how much that interaction with the students uh, meant and, you know, being able to interact with them in smaller classrooms and that sort of thing really, really meant a lot to me. Amazing. Well, we're very lucky to have you here and glad that your windy path led you to Georgian. So, Mark, having been an instructor in the communications department for many years, I know that there can be some pushback from both students and faculty on the need for gen ed and communication courses as a part of our diploma and degree programs. Students are often surprised to hear that they're required to take credits outside of their own department. And I've heard more times than I'd like to recount that students tend to focus most of their time and effort on their core courses, which means deprioritizing their liberal arts courses. As the coordinator of general education, we'd love if you could speak to this and to the value of liberal arts courses as a part of the degree and diploma programs here at Georgian. Thank you. Yeah, this is a question that uh, I love answering, I guess, and I'll do my best to, to answer it. But it is, I mean, first and foremost, um, I'm helped by the fact that the ministry believes in communication courses and general education courses because they are part of the ministry guidelines that we have them in there. And so clearly over the years, I think, that uh, people in Ontario and Canadians in general have realized and recognized the importance of communications type courses and general education electives as part of a holistic uh, post-secondary education uh, in that. And I guess on more of a personal level, you know, I come from a liberal arts background having studied English and history and, you know, as somebody who sort of understands that that's a difficult discipline to go down and, and find a lot of employability unless you're combining it with something else. But at the same time, there's a lot of transferability in those employability skills within some of those liberal arts um, disciplines. You learn a lot of skills about how to think critically, about how to communicate with others, about how to organize information. A lot of the stuff that has really proved valuable to me in a lot of the roles that I have at Georgian College um, right now. So I don't think that I could have been in the roles that I am without a, a liberal arts education uh, like I have because of the, the unique skills that it taught me but for for students you know the communication skills are some of the most important skills that they're going to to need in the workplace and that's what everybody's here for is to get a job at Georgian College we hear consistently from uh, companies that are surveyed or from uh, CEOs uh, about what they're looking for I, I when I'm talking to um, different industry people as well I often hear that the most important skill that they're looking for is that ability to communicate to be part of a team to take direction well um, to listen in meetings to contribute all of that stuff um, that the communication courses and the liberal arts electives teach you how to do and help you work on those skills um, because often the employers will say like we can teach you the technical skills and in often cases we have to teach you stuff that maybe is specific to our 
uh, company that's maybe a little bit slightly different than it was that you were taught at the college level. So those technical skills sometimes still need to be retaught anyways, but what uh, they really struggle to find in graduates is the ability to communicate really well. So I think that the communication courses are some of the most important courses that students are going to take in order to be successful and not only get that entry level position, but then also have the skills to get into leadership positions if that's what they want uh, and to lead other people. Uh, and in terms of the electives, you know, I just think that um, school is just such an important part of people's lives, education is, and it's partly about uh, the courses that you're taking to, to lead into uh, specific employment, but it's also about the connections that you make with the people around you, and it's also about what you learn about yourself as a person and as a citizen as well. And I think we would be doing a real disservice to people if we graduated them and they only learned the technical skills and we weren't confident that they were a better person having gone to Georgian College and having taken uh, elective courses. And so they have a more well-rounded understanding of maybe something they're interested in related to history or to the political systems that, uh, that structure our society or you know, a better understanding of psychology or religion or all those sorts of um, liberal arts uh, electives that people take. So I think that uh, a lot of students, some students need convincing, but I think a lot of students want once they are in these courses, they quickly find out that general education and communication courses can be some of the best courses that they've got. We've got great faculty in all of these uh, courses and they just, they're just learning something outside of their discipline. So if you're spending, you know, 40 hours a week learning about whatever specific trade that you're in uh, and then you get to spend three hours a week learning about something that you chose that you're interested in that's a little bit uh, outside of your discipline and it also counts towards the credit you know, students really end up enjoying that. And, and in the end, those are some of their favorite classes. So uh, I'm a big advocate, obviously, I can talk about it a lot of communication and general elective, uh, general education uh, electives, but I really do think that they're a really crucial component to create um, a holistic education that uh, is pumping out of Georgian College, not only people that are really good at their technical skills, but are also just really good citizens and really good communicators and community members. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, my husband has a liberal arts background and works now in um, business and sales and marketing. And he often gets called on to do pretty much everything that is like the additional stuff. So if they need someone to present, he's that person. If they need someone to be a team lead, he's that person. And I still think that a lot of that comes from kind of his experience in liberal arts and having those communication skills and uh, being confident enough to kind of you know, gather information and be able to present it effectively. Um, he always kind of says like the degree or diploma and the vocational skills get you in the door, but it's the soft skills that are nurtured in liberal arts courses that what is what helps you to be successful, to advance and to persevere in your field. So I couldn't agree more, Mark, with what you're saying. Yeah, I yeah, 100% agree with him. And it's interesting because it makes me think of a presentation that a number of us at Georgian went to at, uh, I think it was Hoyce um, a, a few years ago, the heads of interdisciplinary studies, or, or maybe it was one of the, the branches of that um, for liberal arts or communication. But anyways, we saw a presentation on employability for different, uh, for different like program areas and stuff like that. And, you know, I made a joke earlier about the employability of liberal arts, but actually the statistics don't even really actually prove that that's true. What they prove is that over the beginning of somebody's career so like within the first five or ten years of, of their career that people that are outside of the liberal um, studies disciplines tend to 
make more money if that's what's important to you, right? That's that's but that's what the they're they're judging it based on. But at some point in year between like ten and twenty, that liberal arts people with liberal arts education actually tend to catch up um, to other people, and in some cases, past those people. Uh, and that suggests that uh, sort of what your husband is mentioning that like you know it's entry level jobs might be a little bit higher for people outside those disciplines, but eventually people with the liberal arts background are employed in organizations and tend to move up a little bit quicker because of some of those critical thinking, organizing skills, and communication skills. It's what's very interesting too, um, when uh, I work with faculty groups or programs and I, you know, say what is really important uh, for your students to learn? Like just a really simple question. What is important for your, what is the key learning that you want your students to learn? And probably 90% or greater of the time, it is something that is coming out of communications or general education, being a good citizen, critical thinking, all of the skills um, that, you know, those areas uh, address, the learning outcomes that they address, is what is really important to the vocational areas. And often I don't hear the actual specific vocational skills. <laughs> they want other stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was gonna say we have a lot of support within Georgian for liberal arts and for communication courses. You know, I I have never encountered anybody personally actually, which is kind of amazing in the role that I'm in that has ever tried to argue against general education. All right, so we know we know things got a little crazy in about March of 2020. Not sure if you heard there was like a bit of a pandemic, mm -hmm. and everybody kind of had to move. Uh, yeah, move to online asynchronous delivery. Your area has been doing a fantastic fantastic job of developing and designing courses for this, you know, air quotes, new delivery modality. Georgian is starting to transition to the new normal with regards to, you know, a little bit on campus and some attendance, which means that a large population of students are being invited back to the campus and will be enrolled in face-to-face -face synchronous classes. What does it look like for uh, you folks uh, in the general education area and as a department? Uh, what are some lessons learned from the pandemic and what will the new normal look like for students and faculty in the general education department? Yeah, the you know, one of the things about the pandemic is that I think that we were very well equipped in liberal arts to make that transition, uh, speaking in a very general sense. Um, prior to the pandemic, we had sent a, a lot of people through CTEL's wonderful online course development um, program that uh, people had already gone through that 14 weeks of development and, and created sort of robust online learning environments um, for their students. So pre-pandemic, we were already at about, I would say, 60% online and 40% face-to-face. And I understand that when we're coming back in the winter, it's going to be about 70% online and 30% face-to-face uh, but clearly that's not a huge shift and that might have been a, a process that happened anyways as online became um, something that students sought out uh, a little bit more um, so we didn't see a huge change but uh, I think that um, one of the big changes was for some people who might have been uh, quote unquote like late adopters to online learning um, you know those people and, and we do have Quite a few people who are very comfortable and very um, engaged face-to-face -face people and you know maybe the online thing just never really interested in them and they always would have been really good at it but it was just wasn't something that they were interested in given their teaching style and so for those people I think that it was probably like any professor around the college that was not used to the online environment it was probably a massive learning curve um, as they you know tried to use Blackboard more robustly tried to figure out you know how am I going to deliver this content 
in a way that's engaging and in a way that I can make sure that students are engaging with it and, and understanding the content. I think for educators of all levels, um, it was a massive, massive change for people that that had only you know begun to learn those uh, skill sets and, and have those tools and be able to do that. And so I think one of the things that benefited us in liberal arts is that we had this large contingent of people that were very proficient at doing online already. So they may have had a split of online and face to face, but it was quite easy for them because once you've developed that ability to teach online and you know how to structure information and organize information and and build those foundational pieces of your online course, it's, it's pretty easy to transfer that over to another course in terms of understanding how to organize the information and what the learner might be looking for. Um, now the actual content itself and the transferring of that would be a massive undertaking, uh, but at least you would have an idea of how to organize that information, which I think is one of the hardest things for people online. If you haven't gone through some sort of OCDP training is to understand how a user is going to use your material and go through that and, and walk through that organizational thing. Um, I don't see, you know, obviously I think it's a great thing that we're going back on campus and there's a lot of students who really need to have that one-on-one um, uh, -on -one support. Uh, and I think that a lot of faculty really thrive in front of the students. That's a big part of why we all got into teaching was we like engaging with students and communicating with students uh, in a face-to-face -face environment. And so I think that it's a great thing. I think that we'll see a lot of energy in the air in January and people people remembering sort of what, what they loved about teaching as well, because they've, they've had so much time away from the students. So I think we're gonna be in for a really special time with uh, uh, you know, a super large intake uh, of people and, and faculty members that are coming back um, with uh, some face-to-face -face options and being able to connect with students like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a really nice perspective because I think you're absolutely right that we do have some faculty who have kind of reported that the shine has worn off a little bit of teaching because um, online teaching isn't necessarily their thing. Uh, but we also have a big population of faculty who love online teaching and have kind of found passion in that. Um, so it's nice to have options. And I do like kind of the, again, optimistic perspective of um, just the excitement and kind of that vibe and energy of being back on campus in a greater capacity. One of the things that we've heard from a lot of folks um, throughout the pandemic is that, you know, I just really miss like having a chat with someone at the photocopier or walking by my students in the hallway and having them be like excited to see me like, you know, oh, that's my that's my teacher. Or, hey, how are you? And, you know, just exchanging those smiles with people and stuff. We're going to have like so much catching up to do. Like you're going to have to go in. To, you're going to have to expect to go in an hour early and leave two hours late from all the hallway conversations that we've missed over the years. I went into a, a board of governors meeting recently. It was my first time on campus last week since this all started. And it took only like 15, 20 minutes to be like, this is my favorite day of work since this all started. Like this is, I'm so happy to be back, just like talking to people and being face to face. Um, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't expecting to feel that way. Cause I did, I guess I didn't know how much I missed it. I'm somewhat introverted um, sometimes and, and like working from home and I've gotten into this pattern and it has a lot of benefits, also a lot of drawbacks. You end up working crazy hours and stuff like that, but, but just something about being back on campus and being around people was really special. So I think that if people haven't been back yet, and there are a number of faculty who have been teaching on campus this entire time, um, which I think is important to recognize. Um, but if you haven't been back to campus yet, I think that you're you're really going to find it a special experience and make sure you book a lot of extra time to catch up with people. 
Yeah, that's a nice way to look at it. I think that a lot of the kind of podcasts that I've been listening to and articles that I've been reading suggest that um, coming out of this pandemic and all of these kind of safety measures that have been put in place is going to be much more difficult for us in general and kind of as a society and as individuals than it was to go into it. It felt so gradual when we went into it. It was kind of the idea of like, oops, we're not going to go into work tomorrow. And then it's like, oops, we're not going to go in for a week. And then it's like, oh, we'll make it two weeks. And then it'll be another two weeks. And then the kids were on holidays. And then it's like, well, we'll just extend that by a week. And it felt very gradual. And it felt like, okay, we can do this. It's like, we can get through two weeks. If someone had told us at the beginning of this, that it would be two years, essentially, that we would be in this. I think so many of us would have been like, nope, not happening. Cannot do it. It goes back to the resilience thing we talked about last week, Kelly. It's like, there is no chance I could do this for two years. But at the beginning, my husband and I were like, oh, yeah, like doing all the things we were doing, like special restaurants for our kids where they could order meals and we would be the waiter and waitress and do it to like try to do everything we could to make things exciting for them. Now it's like, here's a pizza, kids, help yourself to the chicken finger. <laughs> <left over. laughs> yeah. So we've, we're running out of steam. But at the same time, the thought of going back in like a full time capacity is overwhelming because I am very comfortable in my home office. I have a good setup here. I can throw on a load of laundry in between, you know, meetings and I can look out the window and be comfortable in my own backyard and I can wear a sweatshirt and not have to worry about that. And there's so many different things. So I think the idea of going back is intimidating, but I also, I think Mark, you brought up a great reminder of like, I love the energy of being on campus. I love my colleagues. I love my students. I love kind of just seeing the buzz around campus. And I think that's a really important reminder for all of us who have kind of felt that bit of hesitation about going back. Yeah, I think that people will enjoy that aspect of it a lot when we when we all come back, for sure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, Mark, so you have two of your biggest fans here in the virtual studio today in many different capacities. We're very excited. We know you always have so much on the go and are consistently blowing us away with all of the innovative and inspiring projects and causes you are a part of. So we'd love to know what's coming up that you're excited about or would love to share with our community. So what's new, what's happening, what's going on? For, for two years, I was the president of the College Association for Language and Literacy, which is a provincial nonprofit organization um, that uh, brings together um, people that teach communication and general education courses, basically liberal arts professors around um, the college system to, to talk about, to hold PD sessions and conferences on uh, different things related to, to those skills, uh, liberal arts skills. And so that was a great experience. I got to know so many people from uh, around the province, like your former guest, Erica Kelly, who's awesome. Uh, and just, um, you know, it was a great way to continue to get to, to meet people. And I'm looking forward to continuing to go to the call sessions. I think it's coming up in Algonquin. Um, uh, in the spring. So looking forward to connecting with provincial colleagues with that. But um, I guess moving on from call, partly my term was up uh, and partly I, I'm making trying a, a consistent uh, effort to try and say no to stuff a little bit more and to pull back from some things. Uh, I feel like I was doing a lot of different roles and a lot of different hats for a while and uh, just trying to focus in more on certain things that are really meaningful to me and and trying yeah not to say yes to everything and I was person that you know likes to step up in situations and and take on interesting roles and, and learn new skills and that sort of thing and I'm trying to pull back from different things right now and uh, you know I mentioned that it's been a while since I've um, taught so it was winter of sorry fall of 2019 was the last course that I taught so uh, I would like to be able to um, get back into that uh, you know I do miss 
um, connecting with the students in that way. And just am excited about being back on campus in general. We're, we're restarting the general education committee, uh, which is going to look at, you know, renewing some of the general education courses, maybe bringing on some new courses, looking at some things that we need to do as a department. We haven't had that over the pandemic, so I'm looking forward to connecting with some colleagues and, um, you know, being um, a little bit more proactive in terms of um, things like we used to be as opposed to reactive like everything seems to have been um, over the pandemic. So yeah, just, uh, uh, you know, I'll always be somebody that's involved in in lots of things, but uh, there was a while in my life, especially in the early pandemic where I was doing a lot of stuff and um, just trying to focus a little bit more in on certain things so I can know that I'm the things that I am doing, I'm doing a really good job on and I don't feel like I'm being burning the candle at both ends and trying to do a little bit too much. So I, I actually have probably less to announce now than, than I have in the past. But for me, <laughs> that's a that's good, thing, a good thing. That's a yeah. good thing. Yes. Yeah. And you've done so much at the college in so many different capacities and have really kind of, I don't know if the correct term is paid your dues, but I mean, you've been a champion on so many different causes and so many different committees. So um, I think it's a great thing that you're kind of pulling back a little bit and focusing on the ones that you're really passionate about. I think that's wonderful. And I think it's something we talk a lot about with guests, our guests as well, in that, you know, not spreading ourselves so thin or saying yes to everything, but finding the meaning, uh, the meaningful work that we want to do and that we can do well and be good at. Um, so yeah, kudos to you. You know what, actually maybe, uh, in the before times I might've said, huh, but now all I want to say is good on you. That's the way it should be. Well done. So good for you. Well, th thanks. And I think that, you know, the pandemic has also showed that we need to like what's really important in our lives is prioritizing our own health and our family yep. and that sort of thing uh, as well. And so trying to make a conscious decision to do that as well. Um, just, you know, remember that my my career and my life at Georgian is a really, really important part of my life and it always will be. Uh, but just trying to have that balance as well. I think that's important for all of us and to be upfront and to talk about and, you know, some people really it's they really put themselves into their work. Uh, 24 hours a day and that's what sparks joy for them but also for some of us we need to balance that out with the things that we're doing outside of work uh, a little bit better and that's always I think that was hard for a lot of us over the pandemic to do that because it was just felt like we were always at home always around and available and there were always sort of interruptions throughout the day if you were looking after kids or like doing other things which required you to go back and finish things later at night and so like a lot of people just uh, excited that things are starting to go back a little bit to normal and our schedules are starting to get a little bit more normal and we're separating out that home life from all the other things that now that we're able to go out into the world a little bit more. The chance to pause has been great in a number of different ways. We've talked a lot with our kids about, you know, how we get into routines sometimes and routines can feel really comfortable, but that it's healthy for us to kind of change things up sometimes. Um, and I agree. I feel like there was such a ubiquitous kind of nature to teaching and work throughout the pandemic because it was like you don't know where it starts and ends. And it just felt like it was everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. Um, so I think being able to draw those boundaries and we've talked about this before on the show as well, that it's important for us as people because we are humans who have lives and families outside of uh, our work. But it's also a gift to our students as well to say to set up boundaries and to show them that boundaries are a healthy part of being um, successful in our field and successful as people is that uh, you can't just ignore boundaries or say, I'm available 24 seven, I'm available anytime. So um, modeling that for our students and saying, you know, I like to try to keep like evenings and weekends as family time or personal time um, is really a gift that we can give our students as well too. Which is an excellent segue into my question. Mm. 
which we talk a lot about on the podcast, which is filling our cups and how it is important to balance and to fill our cups. So we understand, Mr. Mark, that you are a very cool cat with music. So we have been following along with your little musical journey through Spotify and social media. And we would love to hear a little bit more about your journey. If you could share a little bit about Billy and the Devil and what music might mean to you. Yeah, sure. So um, music has always played a big part of my life. Um, You know, I got my first guitar when I was 16 years old, loved music before then and used to sing in church and used to you know, sing with, in a duet with my sister in church. I've never, I haven't told anybody that as an adult ever. So now that's, I just told people on a podcast. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, we, yeah, yeah, we were quite popular in the Baptist community in Barrie um, <laughs> in the late 1980s. No, I don't think anybody would remember that other than us. But, um, and then, you know, got into really into rock and roll. And when I was 16, got a guitar, started, uh, you know, writing songs and singing and um, playing in bands. Did that uh, until, you know, my mid-20s was really like, even in university was, you know, recording um, songs and jamming several times uh, a week and um, playing shows around Ontario and doing that sort of thing um, for a while. And then um, I sort of got burnt out of it, to be completely honest, and uh, just wasn't sparking joy for me anymore. So I had to... um, you know, I just, it just, I would still play here and there and, and jam with friends, but it was never really as much of a focus as it was um, for me um, as, as it was before. Uh, and really like just put myself more into, into work. And, you know, I had a, a daughter and just other things um, were sort of, it, it, it wasn't a priority that I could really justify. I was going out several times a, a night or a week and, and, and playing music. And then I have some friends that are, um, have always been in music and it's their career and they're very successful. And um, they're a Toronto band called the Darcy's. Uh, and I'm good friends with, uh, they're a duo. I'm good friends with both of them, um, Jason and Wes. And we just had this idea, you know, we had talked about doing some sort of side project from the Darcy's um, for a while. And we, uh, Wes and I had this idea that we would um, create this, uh, you know, sort of outlaw character that that writes this sort of like uh, Americana, like folky, but modern rock um, type of stuff and so just started writing songs and really fell into that um, creative process with with those guys those guys are just such professionals and so good at what they do and really sparked that joy for me again that I'd been missing for so long that that what I loved about like songwriting and going in the basement and coming up with ideas and editing stuff and shifting around arrangements and and that sort of stuff and and trying to get a specific sound as well in terms of Jason and Wes are also very good producers uh, and are able to create this whole sonic landscape uh, and really take um, some ideas and, and really bring them to life uh, and so we, we tried to create this just uh, this character um, uh, this outlaw character uh, and this really cinematic universe um, so the type of music that you know would be on a movie soundtrack or a tv soundtrack or something like that that, that really told this coherent story uh, about this outlaw character and also did it in a way that you know evoked sort of old western americana style music but with a modern rock twist uh, and so it's been a lot of fun um, we you know we put it up on spotify and uh, it's on all streaming platforms and um, have gotten a lot of p- positive feedback uh, about it you know been listened to in over um, 80 countries around the world so that's pretty cool that's one of the great things about the digital age that we're listening and I can hear oh this week it got uh, 
100 plays in Russia. That's like really cool. Um, so, you so know, cool. the, the fact that people are listening to it is really cool and just excited to, to see where it goes. Uh, I really, you know, we have more songs recorded, so more stuff will be coming out soon. Uh, every few months we'll be releasing uh, more music eventually um, for a full album. And, you know, live shows have been put on pause for uh, a long time, but are starting to open up a little bit more. There's a, a big backlog of artists who are trying to get in on tours and trying to do stuff uh, live. Um, so it'll take a while to, to sort through that, but I'm excited about eventually, you know, playing some festivals, playing some shows, maybe headlining some stuff or not headlining, maybe opening some shows for headliners that are coming through or whatever, just seeing really what's out there. And um, yeah, just excited about it. So thanks for asking. Really proud of it. Billy and the Devil. Check it out on uh, whatever social media platforms uh, are out there. I've got I've even got a TikTok. I'm doing silly TikToks now. So you can check me out on TikTok or or stream it and just, uh, you know, it's really show me that it's important to support local uh, artists like those those things like uh like likes and streams and pre-saves and all and ordering a t-shirt and all those stuff they really do mean a lot for a lot of uh independent artists um and so if you if you are looking to support people or even just sending a message right like something that i never would have thought of before for a band that you really like that like might actually read your message i don't know if like imagine dragons or coldplay is checking their dms but if it's a, a more local band like a, a a message that you really like their tunes is gonna you know make their day so just trying to support local art in general i think is very important and at georgian we have such a great artist community like there are so many good artists at georgian um we good do. music good musicians good visual artists um you know just so many artistic people that are so creative and i think you know we it's good that we all talk about it and support each other and and because i think that we're all part of a community uh and we all bring stuff uh, our own personalities into our jobs as well in ways outside of our, our discipline in ways that might surprise people but knowing about that and talking about it and celebrating it is something that brings us all together um as a community as well all right, Mark. So as always, it's been so great to connect with you. Uh, Kelly and I both appreciate you and your work here and the mentorship that you provide to us and many others here at Georgian so very much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time to be here with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I love the podcast and uh, love both of you guys friends and mentors of me as well. So thank you for doing what you do. The podcast has been a great opportunity over the pandemic for people to feel like they're kind of at work with colleagues listening in and just having that normal interaction. So uh, yeah, thanks for putting this together and thanks for doing everything that you guys do too. Oh, Mark, it's such a delight. We will hopefully have you back soon and maybe we could do something more about the, the music journey that you are on right now. So sure, we'd love until to. then, oh, that'd be great. Until then, Bye for now. All right. Thank you both. Bye. Thanks. Bye.